0: Talk listeners, we are back in number two, two, two. We are talking about a bunch of different items today. But Michelle, what's been going on? Uh, like shut the front door. What's going on? What's happening? What's frustrating us right now in the world? I mean, there's so many things going on from like Elon Musk's to industry stuff. Let's see what Elon Musk just told all of his workforce that they have to go back every day. You know what? You and I
1: talked about this, and I'm not sure what I'm more bad about. I think I'm more about speaking of our last podcast where we recommended tips on communication. I'm pretty sure he should read Brene's book because I don't know if I'm angry <laughs> at and I'm not really angry either because I don't work for him, so it doesn't matter, but if I'm more annoyed at his demand that people go back or the way in which he chose to communicate it. You and I gave our listeners this advice months ago before going back full-time was a true discussion. We wanted to prepare people and we simply explained to them, do your research, understand how working from home truly impacted your business. And if you decide that you're gonna go with a flexible work environment or you're gonna make them Come back completely, or you're going to let them go at home. Whatever decision you make, tie it to information that is relevant to those people. So it will at least make sense. And he did not do that.
0: (laughs) He did not. And he's been on Twitter and sending emails. And I truly wonder I guess there's been some layoffs at SpaceX. So I truly wonder how satisfied his employees at his companies are right now. You know what? They're
1: absolutely not. There comes a certain point, I think, where you're just like, I'm going to make decisions and you're just going to deal with it or you're just not going to work there. And when people get to that place where they're only leading from a place of me, 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 I want to step back for a second because I know a lot of people, like I have a lot of friends and family who were considered essential workers and they had to go to a workplace every single day. It never stopped. them, right? And so I'm not oblivious to the idea that many industries have a combination force of employees. Some that work in support roles that don't work or are not tied to one particular site or location. And then you have others that are tied to a site or location like we've talked about in the past. The store doesn't open if you don't show up. That kind of tied to a restaurant or retail establishment or manufacturing building, right? Part of me wants to pause and go, was he trying to do the right thing for his manufacturing team? Because that was part of the logic behind it was for those employees that work in our manufacturing element of the business, they had no choice but to come to work during the entire pandemic. And they have no choice but to show up every single day for their scheduled shift. So as a result of their job, the rest of you will follow the same requirements. Part of me wonders, was he doing it from a good place to say people will be treated equally? But if he was doing it from a good place, surely the communication could have been better. So that's where the vast majority of me just thinks he's being a bit of a tool.
0: Yeah. Or mess with Elon, he has some good comments, but then he goes a little extreme, he does. And
1: honestly, that's where a bulk of the complaints are coming from. It's more that he's communicating it in a way that makes him come across as an asshole, no concern for the situation that those support people have been put into. I also think that was really easy for a lot of people. And so you and I, Maria, we kind of danced between two roles. We are technically in support roles. When I got COVID, I was able to keep working because I was able to keep working from home. I didn't get a break. But because of our role as HR, we were often expected to be on site to deal with employee issues related to COVID. So we fell in this weird role of theoretically could work from home, but because the nature of our job often worked on site. We played this role of being able to see both essential employees and the impact that that had on them, as well as people from working from home. And I think everybody understands the sacrifice that essential workers made, right? Especially in the beginning when there was so much fear around COVID-19 and nobody really understood. I'm willing to suspect that many of those people thought they were going to work to make their $10 an hour and they were going to die or kill their entire family. We didn't know what we didn't know. But there are also extreme disadvantages to being in that work from home situation. Most employees, particularly if you had a family, you found that you were working nowhere near eight to 10 hours a day. You were working significantly more than that, because you were having to juggle work between homeschooling children. You were doing work at 12 o'clock at night. You were up again first thing in the morning to do homeschool. You were trying to balance a spouse or a significant other and their conference calls. There's also an element of isolation that comes into play that causes a significant amount of depression. Regardless of whether you're a quiet person or a bubbly person, never being around people goes against our nature as humans. There were lots of beliefs that you're working from home, so now you can be healthy all the time. That's not really the case. Most of us didn't go out for walks every few hours. We didn't go for the vegetables. We were in a state of fear because of the outside. We were in a state of depression because we couldn't do anything and our world had changed. We didn't understand it. And we fell into this pit that was kind of hard to get back out of. And for a lot of people, that meant that we just worked all the time. So there are disadvantages for what people who worked from home had to overcome to get effective at that as well. So I think everybody understands it was not ideal for essential employees. It wasn't ideal for anyone. We all had to learn to survive in a new environment. And yet for most people, they've been in that environment for two years now. Now, all of a sudden, the answer simply becomes, go back to the office. Because the other people have had to the whole time.
0: That's hard because people's value proposition now are their families, right? That's kind of where what's motivating them in the workforce. So it's kind of hard to drive that any other way.
1: It is. It is. And what we're hearing from that particular situation is that in the letter that the employees wrote, they said that they felt uncomfortable. They felt intimidated. They felt bullied. That they were angry because they were pressured into not being able to communicate their own beliefs or their own opinions around the situation. So I want to go back to cuz I'm not in Elam's head. I have no idea what motivated him to say go to work. And we both know I'm not usually the one to give someone a benefit of a doubt, but I'm going to okay. <laughs> so let's just say hypothetically he was coming from a good place. Again, the way you came about it was not effective. Our recommendation would have done wonders for you. Would there have still been some employees, let's say you decided that the quality of service did go down as a result of working from home, that employees were significantly more stressed out during meetings maybe because of the anxiety related to not being around people. Maybe you had legitimate reasons to say that they come to the office at least part of the time, right? Your inability or unwillingness to communicate your reason treats people like children. Give them the reason, say, you know what? The quality of our customer experience has declined significantly since the beginning of COVID-19. Before that, for five years, we maintained a blank, whatever it is, and say, Obviously, the only big difference was stress related to a pandemic and the customer service team working from home. I can't fix the pandemic, but I can bring you guys back into the office to see if that was the problem. And as an employee, they are now empowered to understand your actions and then make an intelligent decision on whether or not they're willing to work for you. And to be honest, if you told me that you were doing something for the betterment of a group of people and you could show me that that was the case, then I would probably go, hey, at least they're coming from a good place. I don't like it, It takes me an hour to get to work every day, but they're coming from a good place. Now I have to decide, am I willing to go back to a world where I can meet for two hours. So that's my frustration.
0: A lot of people have challenges there, but you never know. You never know. So Michelle, what's coming in real hot today? What's our main topic? So last week we talked about L&D, right? Last week we talked about L&D, the pros and cons.
1: What if we jump over to talk about the pros and cons of outsourcing HR?
0: Let's do it. Let's talk about it.
1: Let's do it. Okay, so first let's establish. So when we say HR... Do we want to bundle them all in there or separate them out a little bit?
0: Mm, Let's separate them out.
1: Yeah, let's do. Because guys, often you'll hear the term HR and you just bunch a whole bunch of people in that category. But there are definitely different aspects. You've got your ops systems team. You've got total rewards team, comp benefits, kind of fit into that total rewards area. You've got what? A lot of people traditionally refer to as employee relations. They are often the people that are more closely aligned with the employees and the leaders. And they are therefore often the ones that are a part of workforce planning. They're a part of policy procedure planning. And they're a part of rolling that out and communicating it. Think of them as the customer facing side of the HR because they're usually the ones that interact. So who do we want to go with, Maria? We want to talk total awards or employee relations.
0: Let's go with the HR business partner and the total or the employee relations side of things. Okay, the HR business partners, it is. Yeah. It is my hope that
1: you guys did not
0: eliminate your
1: HR team during a social crisis and a global pandemic. That would have been as dumb as getting rid of your safety team. However, they might have, Maria. They might have. They might have. So let's start by talking about some of the pros behind, let's say for a minute, you have reduced or eliminated a huge chunk of your HR team. I actually am very aware of an organization. They recently did that, resulting in going from 30 HR people to less than 10. Their headcount of employees and leaders did not change. The amount of their business did not change dramatically, and yet they are 20 people less in their HR team. Now some of that did come from total rewards. Some of that came from, Recruiting, but half of that came from those business partner relationships. So now you realize that you've made a mistake, that your small HR team is overwhelmed. They can't help you with strategy planning. They can't help leaders strategy plan. They can't help people development. They aren't able to be a part of. Succession planning conversations. They aren't able to help you with workforce planning, and they are pulled pretty thin as it relates to interacting with your direct employees. From a consultant perspective, you can actually look at a number of different resources within HR consultation services. You could find people who are experts at employee relations within your state, then they would be hired to understand the interaction within your company and you would pull them in as issues were needed or as investigations needed to happen. So Maria, when you think about that element of consulting, what do you see as some of the pros with outsourcing it?
0: I mean, I think especially when you're talking about, you know, there's certain things that need to be done, I think it's helpful for you to have sometimes a third party conducting your investigations because then there's no biased situations or issues transpiring. It's also very quick and effective, especially if you have a really good culture, you don't have a ton of investigations, you can just charge to one per the hour to handle it for you to do it in the right way from a legal perspective so that you have all that I's dotted and your T's crossed and, you know, all that scenario stuff. I think when you're taking a look and you're downsizing too, I think there's a lot of people that have templates and situations to help you in either circumstance of whatever you need to help from a legal perspective. And it's just like, even if you have HR business partners in your organization, when you have big downsizing initiatives or just things going on, it kind of helps to pull in someone else to help free up the bandwidth of your team. Because a lot of people are running short these days, especially in the HR department, the return on investment in support functions is not quite as visible to the organization as it is like in a sales and revenue generating department. So it's a little bit more challenging to justify the salary and the headcount for those types of departments, but it's much needed for your organization to continue to run successfully. Same thing, you know, we mentioned in L&D, when you take a look, it's sometimes a lot easier to take a look at it from an outsider perspective. But I think that's where the pros come into it. And I think that's really how we need to assess and take a look at it further to help assess. And I think there's a lot going on, you know, in so many different aspects to really help and elevate organizations in so many different ways when you outsource it. But you can also keep it in, inside as well. It just depends on the size of your organization and the budget within your organization. Absolutely. You know what? I think a lot of people immediately assume a con of outsourcing,
1: particularly this type of situation, is the lack of knowledge of the employees. In a lot of organizations, there seems to still be this belief that your HR team know everybody. They know what's going on. In a lot of cases, they do know what's going on. But in situations like I described earlier, where you reduced from 30 people to 10, I promise you, your employees don't see them as a part of the company. They're already disengaged from them because the ratio of employee to HR business partner is so great that they could not possibly keep up the work of their job and build those relationships, and it's the same anywhere. Like even in schools, the minute you change student-teacher relations or ratios, the relationship between students and teachers changes. Same in L and B or with facilitators. The minute you change the amount of area that a facilitator has to cover, you change their ability to customize or learn an individual, and the same applies here. So as long as you're really looking into the professionals that you're outsourcing with, you understand that they are aligned with your company's policies and expectations. What you're looking at is professionals who know how to have conversations appropriately in those situations. So it's not really a con anymore because the ratio of HR business partner to employee, and actually in a lot of cases, HR business partner to leader is so crazy at this point. There's not even a lot going on at that level. Having said that, here's what I would say. If I were to outsource, I would think about the things that Maria said. Think about specialized situations. Investigations are a great thing to outsource because both for the company and for the employee, You can show that third-party involvement with no one being biased or knowing anyone. There's zero conflict. They are literally just looking for the facts. And that may be the case with maybe some higher-level employee conversations that you bring someone in just because, once again, you've got that professional to lead that conversation. And if you still have some HR professionals within the organization... Let them focus on key areas where relationships need to be built in order for them and their
0: business partners to be successful. Talking a little bit about that. So you think you're in charge. You
1: do think you're in charge.
0: (laughs) Obviously, you bring in people from an employee relations aspect to help you kind of navigate through that. But then your leaders really need to focus and how you really help your leaders is through strong communication. So let's kind of talk through and transition into the segment on really building that vision and how you can communicate it because that's going to alleviate a lot of the external outsourcing you're going to have to do from an HR business partner if your leaders are developed properly.
1: We're just going to throw out some examples and talk through this particular skill. And it's a skill that I was taught as a leader and so I'm gonna use the exact phrase that I was taught, which is inspire a shared vision. Maria, you're probably familiar with that phrase became a people leader in the same company that
0: I did. Yeah, totally familiar.
1: Why do you think
0: that this is one of the hardest skills for people to do? It could be a multitude of different aspects depending on their specific circumstance. I think that them kind of taking a moment to inspire requires them to have time and thoughtfulness in their approach. And sometimes when you're very quick, you become transactional and you don't think through some of that process. I don't think people intentionally not want to do it. I think there's some opportunity there based on time, based on span of control and opportunity at times. I'm not saying that's all of the problems. I think there is also a lack of development in this area or lack of understanding and knowledgement and how people function. And that's a whole other aspect.
1: You know, it's funny, lots of thought leaders in the realm of HR have different variations of this. They've talked about this a lot, but I really do find that what you're saying tends to be a key factor in people not. Taking that step to inspire a shared vision. There are two words in that phrase that I'm going to hone in on. So we're going to talk about what it truly means first, and then we'll talk about how you can better prepare yourself to do this. The two words in this phrase that are most critical are shared and vision. It helps to know that that vision should be inspiring. Note, inspire a shared vision. But the two key things are shared in vision. And one of the things that is most often left out, even if someone is able to talk about the vision, I see a time in our future where blah, blah, blah will happen. And we will be the number one widget maker in the company by using our new social media strategy. And so they talk about this and maybe they lay in things like internal growth and how the goal is to take this core of people that we started with and really use them to start to develop out a larger organization where we maintain the values of giving back to our community. You may notice that I'm saying things that are big and lofty. And I'm saying those things because Remember I said inspire a vision. We don't want to be like, yes, we're going to serve fresh lettuce only. That's not inspiring. So we need to go to that next level. And they'll do that. But where they'll forget is to make you a part of that vision. And when I say you, I mean everybody, basically. So take real talent as an example, our business. All three of us as business partners, we have a vision for what we're trying to accomplish. What we've got to make sure is that not only do the people that work for us see themselves in that finished place, but they need to see themselves getting us to that place. They need to be a part of the journey as well as an integral part of the final destination and we tend to leave that out I don't even know why we leave it out but we get so focused on like you said the day-to-day monotony that we're just like yeah we're going to be the best in the whole wide world let's go team and people walk away going what does that mean the best at what and how are we going to do it what does that mean for me am I going to have to work all the time Do they even see me in the future? People want to know that they're part of something bigger than themselves. And we have uh, Fred Smith retired recently from FedEx as the CEO, which is really impressive. He's been around forever doing this for a very long time. So for him to be this innovative for this long is really impressive. But at FedEx Office, FedEx Office stepped back and they came up with what they called A purpose statement. Maria, we still make fun of it a little bit because it feels a little bit cheesy, a little tongue in cheek, if you will. But it doesn't change the fact that you're able to take this purpose statement and you're able to help people see how they contribute to this statement, regardless of whether or not it's cheesy. And it's the idea that at FedEx Office, you were able to connect people with possibilities all around the world. And again, sounds super cheesy, right? And then you start talking to their frontline employees and you ask them to describe some of their most impactful customer interactions. And they're going to tell you about helping someone put together a presentation that resulted in them getting a really cool promotion. Or they're going to talk about a local artist who comes in every Friday night to get prints of their artwork that they sell at the local art row in Asheville. Or they're going to come in at the lowest part of their life when they've lost someone that they care about. And they're going to ask you to make multiple copies of a dear loved one so that they can share those photographs with their siblings. They're going to ask you to ship a wedding ring or a wedding dress for the most important day in their lives. And when you're able to share these stories, and when the employees are able to share them back, they can start to see how they're a part of it. That it's not just something lofty that Fred Smith and Brian Phillips came up with, it is something that while they might have come up with it, they need those employees to make it happen. That's what a vision has to be.
0: Oh, gosh. Fred Smith, great, great executive. I mean, like, there's so many things we could talk about. Fantastic organizations and really strong investments in various areas, which which have been very great and innovative to continue forward momentum and thinking. That's really what's critical from a leadership perspective on continuing moving forward. So, Michelle, any recommendations today? Absolutely, and I would say it is
1: exactly what you said. To begin with, it's the doing what you said they're not doing. That's where you've got to start. Guys, what I would tell you to do is to sit down and think about, depending on your level in the organization, you might want to think a year out. You might be thinking five years out, depends on where you are in the company. But think about that futuristic goal. This might be hard for some of you, but I'm going to ask you to do it. I want you to imagine for just a moment that you and your team have made it to that place, that you're doing whatever you have perceived great looks like in one year. And I want you to write down what it looks like, what it smells like, what it feels like. And I want you to write down the emotions. I want you to write down how people interact with each other, how they interact with the customer. I want you to write all of the fun stuff, people getting promoted. I want you to talk about, If you still have profit sharing or profit or incentive within your organization, what does that look like? And I really want you to just jot down in enough detail that you can visualize what good looks like. And then I want you to step away from that vision and I want you to start writing down what are the behaviors, not the skill set, think about the behaviors. What are the behaviors? that you need to see from your employees in order to get to that end vision. Once you have that, you can start to craft a short story, a story where you are able to start by talking about what great looks like. You imagine a place where, and it doesn't have to be crazy over the top. I'm actually... Working with someone now who is implementing a document management system. And so, our imagine ties to an employee frustration, but it really is as simple as imagine an environment where you can get access to every resource you need in one place. And you know that it is accurate every single time. You no longer have to waste days. Or hours looking for documents and hoping that they are the right ones. It doesn't have to be, I have a dream of equality in the world, but it has to be something that will make them happier. And then once you have laid out, here's this place that we are going to, now you have to tell them how they get there because it's their place. It's not yours. It's theirs. And let it be theirs.
0: Let it be theirs. You've heard it yourself from Michelle. So hopefully this has given you some insights. We're going to continue through with some of these series, the pros and cons. Continue listening on because we do have some advice on different departments within the HR umbrella. Until next time, everyone, take care. Bye.